the incomparable. Number 439, December 2018. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and in this episode, we're going to... Ch- you know, I was originally going to save this slot, and we were going to do our clip show, but we're going to have to wait a week for that, because a movie was released and demanded, uh, it basically demanded our attention, and that was Spider-Man colon Into the Spider-Verse, an animated film released here in December of 2018, as we record and release this, the very end of the year. And, you know, I thought I knew what my favorite animated film or my favorite film, frankly, of 2018 was going to be. And then I saw Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and I know I've given away my opinion here, but it was the best movie I saw the whole year. Uh, I loved it, and it's not just because I love Spider-Man, although that was part of it. Uh, Joining me to talk about this animated film that uh, on paper you look at and just kind of roll your eyes and say, oh boy, here comes Sony trying to make some more money on their Spider-Man license. And uh, it's really not. It's, uh, it's, It's so much more than that. Are these following wonderful people tony sindelar joins us bright-eyed bushy-tailed fresh from the mall hello hi i'm not sure which version of tony sindelar i am today let's just tony b sindelar you tony b me. sindelar yes indeed <laughs> uh also monty b ashley is here hello i give this movie five out of five spider-men not counting the dead one okay <laughs> moises b chuyan is also here hello peter porker the other white pete <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kelly B. Gamont is also here. Hello. <laughs> I'm here, but only in black and white. Oh, here's a Rubik's Cube. And Kathy B. Campbell. Hello. Hello. Does that make me Spider-Gwen? Because I am 100% okay with this. I, I think uh, it, technically it makes you Spider-Kathy. Okay. Sorry. They just go by the first name. I don't know why. It's just confusing. That works. Whether you go by the title of the comic or the title of the character right. in the comic. That's yeah, I mean, to, to follow the style spider, guide, I mean, it would, have to be, it would have to be spider one syllable. So spider cat, spider cat. Spider soup. Spider soup. Spider it's soup. got a great secret identity plan, it seems My like. favorite part of podcasting is derailing the introduction. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Mine too. Generally, that's the only way to podcast. Imagine a parallel universe where that didn't happen. Uh, it's not this one. Uh, actually, that that's a thing that I want to I start with, because I think one of the clever things in here, um, I was talking to my wife before we got started about her favorite thing, and it, it's all related to this. We meet in this movie, Miles Morales, who, if you're a comic book Yay! reader, you know is the other Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man that has been, that was created in in uh, sort of spinning out of the Ultimate Spider-Man comic, which was set in a parallel universe from the mainstream Spider-Man comics. It's a lot of comic book stuff. But anyway, it's a it's a new character. He gets the powers in his universe. Uh, Spider-Man Peter Parker has died, and he is sort of inspired by Peter Parker in a way like Peter Parker was inspired by Uncle Ben to do the right thing and to kind of t- carry his mantle. Uh, the parallel universe thing, obviously into the Spider-Verse, the plot of this movie is about parallel universes. One of the things that I think is very clever right at the beginning is if you're paying close attention you can notice something about the world where miles morales lives which is it's not pretending to be our world there are uh there are ads for a soda that is not coca-cola uh there it's like coca soda is that what it's called legally distinct legally distinct well because but later yes there are actual brands sorry excuse me dimensionally distinct thank you thank you yes. and uh the one that i really appreciated is that all of the police cars are pdny, PDNY. yeah yes. i like the billboard for the hi hello show on broadway right <laughs> and uh, and the fact that that uh, clone high is still on the air and that this is good because um it actually goes a long way to kind of explaining or at least setting once you notice it you're like okay parallel universes this isn't quite our world it's a nice nod to the whole ultimate comics ultimate universe thing that this is a different spider-man uh, that we're going to meet in Miles. And then it turns out this is a world that has our familiar Spider-Man, which I think is good for um, for audiences who don't know any of this crazy stuff about, <laughs> about Miles mm-hmm. Morales and parallel universes, that there is a Peter Parker Spider-Man. He's wearing the suit that we know. And uh, he's voiced by Chris Pine. He's uh, super awesome and gets killed by the Green Goblin while Miles watches. Uh, although that happens fairly much deeper in the movie than I thought. Um, anyway, Miles, uh, his backstory story is that his uncle Aaron, who is whose lifestyle is not approved of by his parents, uh, he likes to hang out with Uncle Aaron, and Uncle Aaron likes to take him to uh, disused subway stations where uh, genetically altered slash radioactive spiders are crawling around and can bite you and give you spider powers, which is why he is a bad uncle. Also, he's a supervillain. That's another reason he's a bad uncle. He's the prowler. That. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we meet Miles, uh, and so let's let's dive into Miles and his world. He's got his parents. And we from the trailer we get that thing where he's he's at the Brooklyn Visions Academy. His dad wants him to say "I love you, Dad." His dad is a cop with a with a a big speaker on his police car. Uh, there's a, a, a lot of cute stuff that happens with Miles in his uh, in his school, and we get to. I like that this movie spends some time with Miles. We get to meet Miles before yeah. he becomes Spider Man. Going back to the the outset, I, I like from from the word go the exasperation with retelling origin stories and rehashing them where it's okay one (laughs) more time and we do okay one more time like six times exactly and i'm totally fine with it yeah because you definitely get that sort of like all right let me tell you the story (laughs) (laughs) radioactive spider blah 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 great power great responsibility this this is one of the best uh quick origin retelling i think you know it actually the one of the things i liked about that hulk movie was when they just do the origin story over the credits so Mm -hmm. you know this worked for me uh even better than that so no more origin stories (laughs) It was really efficient, but also effective. And that was the thing that I thought was really nice about it. Because if you do need to pay attention, they give you, you know, they give you all that you need to know in that introduction, even if you don't have the rest of that in your head to fill in mentally, like this and that and the other and the thing and the stuff and whatever. You don't have to worry about most of that because you get the, because if you're just a casual, like I've heard of Spider-Man as a thing, you know, I know somebody who reads that comic book or whatever, you get all the information that you need. And I like that when they go through it again, that it's a little bit different, obviously, for each of the characters, but that they just sort of go, here we go, back to the story. Mm-hmm. And then you're right back where you need to be. And I really liked how they did that. And when they do it at the start, they're setting you up for the fact that there are a bunch, even if you don't know it, they know that they're setting yes. you up for doing it five more times and it gets better every time. At least in my theater, the laughs, yes. there were more laughs every single time it happened. It was great. The reveal at the end where they got to throw Miles's comic book on the stack of other ones to say, yeah. now yes. he's part of that. Oh, the payoff in that is so good. So I went to this movie with my daughter and then friends of ours. And before we went, my daughter was very nervous that because she hadn't seen any of the Spider-Man movies. She's never read the comics. And she asked me, she's like, am I going to be able to understand what's going on? And in my mind, I'm like, well, yeah, they always do an origin story. You're going to be fine. It'll be fine. And so... I asked her afterwards, I was like, did you understand? She's like, yeah, it was so cool that they had all of these stories. They were similar, but different. And like, she really connected with the idea that they had this short little thing to catch her up without making her feel like she was missing out on something. And mm-hmm. that was really, I was really impressed with that. And for people that have seen all the movies, they threw in references to all the movies, just so yes. you know that they've got your back. Right. Yeah. All of and his sexy dancing. <laughs> yeah, with re- with the regrets about it, like yeah, that was me too. Like that, that's yep. really great. All those yeah. all those references. If you're if you if you care, but if not, it's like there's the knowledge of Peter Parker and that costume is in the water, right? Like everybody gets that, so that's enough. So, but we get to see him from Miles's perspective, which is wow, it's Spider Man, he's awesome. And then when he is you know put in this position where he's trying to save Miles or maybe have Miles help him, and then the Kingpin kills him, and he's horrified, and the city mourns. Which I wanted to mention, like, in a movie that is, you know, uh, it, I wouldn't say it's a kid's movie, but I would say that like a, a Pixar movie, it is great for families. It's not meant to be pretty hard-edged. There is the fact that Spider-Man is horribly murdered by a villain early in this movie, and I thought it... I actually... I wonder how the impact is on somebody who is not expecting it, because I know it's going to happen, because I thought it was really trying to walk a line of being kind of emotionally impactful on Miles without it being kind of too over the edge in terms of being horrifying for younger people watching the movie, because the fact is this movie starts off with Peter Parker getting murdered. (laughs) Right. I'm not younger, but I didn't expect him to die. Like, I absolutely did not think that that was what was going to happen. So how did you react in that moment where they're like, whoa, they killed Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, Yeah, it was (laughs) it was very it was super surprising to me because and, and part of that was because what I sort of vaguely knew going in was there's like a multidimensional thing happening and Spider-Man and like, you know, we, we see a little bit in the trailer of like more than one. Right. Spider-Man or Spider-Man-esque character, you know, like there. So figuring out like that 
like the one that that we sort of know you know at the beginning of the movie anyway you know the one that put out the christmas album um <laughs> which you can listen to on youtube mm-hmm. by the way sony I, pictures why did am i release doing this actual... i have a degree in mechanical engineering <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was so good that uh like i had no idea what was happening really what that told me at that point was yes in fact all bets are off and this isn't going to be a story that you expect this isn't going to be a story that plays by the rules because sort of the rules are like spider-man always gets out alive one way or another with you know Mm -hmm. very wide values of alive sometimes Mm -hmm. he still gets out alive and this time he didn't and so now what and so for me it was just here we go i guess this is this is where we are now and you know i just sort of had to go with it and it, i mean it was great like it was very unexpected but i really liked how i liked how they did it and like you said the the balance between like somebody died and we need to make sure that you know that they're dead because it is a comic book movie and you never know for sure like we know he's dead and it was really nice to have that opportunity to sort of you know sit with that for a minute even if it was you know so yeah it's not it's not a child's movie but it's definitely something like everyone could go and see so anytime i watch a movie with my daughter um and it gets really emotional she still usually ends up on my lap um I'm thinking of, you know, we saw Solo together and she was on my lap and we saw uh, just pretty much every movie that has someone dying or is really intense or something. She ends up on my lap and it didn't happen in this one. Huh. And I think because it was I mean, yes, the emotional and the mourning of everything. And yet the movie was still at its start, at its beginning um, I mean, it wasn't, it was still further on than I was expecting, but it was early enough in the movie that she knew other stuff was going to happen. Um, that positive things would happen that the, you know, the good guys would probably still win in the end. Uh, that I don't think she was affected as emotionally by it as most of the other deaths that she's seen in movies. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. I, I do have, I had um, in the moment I thought to myself, I wonder if this impact is maybe a little too blunted here. Like they, they treaded a little too. I understood why they did it, but I was like, I don't know. I like Spider-Man dying. Uh, I, I felt like I'm, I maybe wanted it to be even more of a gut punch than it was. But it's still, I mean, it is brilliantly handled in the aftermath, right? Where you see everybody mourning him and they, they find out who he really was. And there are all the flowers in front of Aunt May's house. And all of that is, is uh, that, that kind of brings it home that this is a, a beloved figure who has died and now miles has spider powers and he's like oh boy do i need to carry this burden now which is a great place to put miles it was the aftermath where it started to matter to me for some reason the killing it was kind of off screen i was like well i know there's other spider-man coming Mm -hmm. but then the big all city memorial with everybody wearing the spider-man mask especially right after the stan lee cameo oh right yeah we we we, a lot of comic book characters die and then come back not as many of them have like state funerals so like it makes it feel a lot more real when an entire city is mourning them not just the people that worked with them or knew them uh yeah yeah. the the general thing that, that killed me about anticipating this movie uh was expectations i had no idea what precisely they do they were doing because in in one sense, this is an adaptation of a comics crossover event that I, I, I went, how could you possibly fit that whole thing into one movie? And it doesn't look like they're using the size of cast that you would need for the massive Spider-Verse crossover. Uh, so it, it seems like they're just doing a piece of it. And how are they handling it? And what is the tone going to be? And this this particular um, I, I wouldn't say that replacing Uncle Ben with Peter, um, <clears throat> but but making the death of Peter Parker, uh, such a central part of the narrative, uh, was something that, uh, as, as we were barreling toward it, I went, surely they won't, surely they won't. (laughs) And then I went, wait, of course they will. And then I went, Oh, okay. They're, they're doing things. They're doing things in, in ways that the live action 17 versions of it have, have not done. And they are perfectly comfortable making this, incredibly comic booky incredibly heartfelt incredibly funny and silly and just all of the stuff that i love about spider-man comics in a way that the live action movies have not 
specifically captured. Sure, I had that moment watching the original Sam Raimi movie of, oh, wow, I'm watching a Spider-Man movie. Going back and revisiting it, it doesn't hold up as well as I think this one will 20 years from now um, because they commit to every story beat. They are not afraid to do things. And some of the freedom that they have of embracing the comic booky multiverse is that they can they can kill people they can do um you know stuff that you you don't necessarily expect even if you've read the friggin comic books multiple times they can tell stories we haven't been told a million times right like that's that that, the best thing about that moment where peter parker dies and miles is like oh boy right is that now the movie is very clear if it wasn't clear before that like no you're watching the origin story of somebody you don't know what their origin story is yes like yeah. it's a spider-man movie but you don't know how i mean if you read the comics you have a, an idea but it's like you don't know how this is gonna go you don't know how miles becomes spider-man because right. it's not a story you've heard a million times before like everything makes a right angle turn and you're like whoa and i think that's so good such a good choice to let people experience this afresh yeah uh, going back to it being Miles's origin story. I feel like every superhero origin story has the moment where the superhero says, and now I'm a superhero, and you get the triumphant music and they do something cool. Mm -hmm. And normally that's at the end of the first act or so. But because this movie has a bunch of other Spider-Men to handle the superheroing, they can stretch it out and make Miles really earn it so that when he gets his cool Mm -hmm. now I'm Spider-Man moment, it hits I felt a lot harder. Yes. I want to back up a tiny bit and talk about how I think unintentionally uh, Peter's death hit me harder because we had just gotten the Stan cameo and I saw this basically right after he had passed. And so seeing that and then seeing that like basically his last cameo is going to be him saying the costume always fits eventually. Yeah, I, I imagine just, they've got uh, they've got five more cameos in the can. But it, this is, I would say, the most substantial Stan Lee cameo in some ways, especially in terms of the meaning of the movie, where he he, I mean, he literally sells the Spider Man outfit yeah. to Miles yeah. Morales, who to he's going to wear at, for the for for a lot of the movie this costume, <laughs> and gives him the best <laughs> advice he can get, yes. <laughs> and then sends him that, out the door. That's Stan Lee always making a buck off Spider. Also, yeah. no re- no refunds, <laughs> kid. No, no refunds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this wasn't one of the cameos where he's like, "Oh, did you guys hear?" something oh what's that yeah. <laughs> right what ends up happening though is that miles gets a gets a, a an advisor a mentor and, and his particular obi-wan is peter b parker uh the old fat spider-man who's sad and divorced from another <laughs> parallel dimension the preferred term is dad bod spider-man thank you jason okay all yeah. right it's yeah. fine. i know I was, I was stretching it a little dad. bit and he's not that old but he is older he he has he has the dad bod uh it's you know he's, he's packed on a little yes. bit we prefer the nomenclature of sweatpantacular that's right he, is, he wears he's got sweatpants and a very stretched out Outfit. I mean, the sweatpants are because his pants got ruined in the the transfer, right? Is, or was he wearing those at home? He was hanging around his apartment and sad and, and wearing no, sweatpants. He wasn't in uniform when he was hanging around his home eating pizza. Sorry, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Ex- exactly right. So he uh, and he has he has broken up with Mary Jane and is very sad. And Aunt May has died, and he's a he's a sort of sad sack Spider Man who's been through the game and knows how to be Spider Man, but he's he's kind of lost his purpose in life, and he becomes the advisor to miles and it is a quite a pairing right where like because he's not entirely trustworthy or like reliable in a way not in an evil way but in a like who is this guy kind of way uh and then miles is just still trying to get to grips with uh with what he you know what has happened to him and his powers and all that and it's uh it's delightful. I love those scenes. I love what he brings to this as an advisor to Miles because it's like this movie uses Peter Parker as a concept and a foil for telling Miles's story, which I think when you look at this, there, there could be a moment where you're like, well, wait a second. Why does Miles not have his own movie? Why is the classic Spider-Man uniform here? And why are the there are these Peter Parkers? But I think the movie does it really well where he's... You know, both of these Peter Parkers are 
passing the torch to Miles and telling him what he needs to know and helping him become the hero he needs to be. And I think that's a good a good use of those characters. Uh, Peter he, uh, Peter B. Parker does probably take a lot of head head trauma when he meets up with Miles. So that may <laughs> that may, may maybe he is a better a better mentor under under other circumstances. Uh, I liked when Peter B. Parker is webbed up to the punching bag and miles's third guess is you're an alter dimen- alternate dimension peter parker from a place where everything is nearly <laughs> this but not exactly because mm-hmm. we've been told that miles is smart by him being in the special school mm. and i like mm-hmm. being shown that miles is smart at the same time yeah it's it's always nice when the characters live in a in a world where it's like oh yeah time travel zombies parallel dimensions you don't need to draw me a diagram to explain it i've seen <laughs> movies yeah i'm in school and again that's respecting the audience because not only have we seen Spider-Man movies. We've seen alternate dimension movies. We can skip some of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The bad guy in this is the Kingpin, who is, I think, oh. an interesting stylistic choice right he is he is not they don't even attempt to make him <laughs> look like a human, human. shape he is yeah. just a big wide block of cement he's a black triangle and his white head isn't on top where you'd expect it's moved down so he always looks like he's looming <laughs> yes there's some confusing shoulder anatomy going on oh, there yeah um, it's really good yeah I, I love the dedication to to very specifically the bill Sienkiewicz iteration of the character which does not does not uh, obey any actual laws of physics yeah he's always looming he's always just huge and enormous and imposing and i really liked that it was stylized i, I just i kind of admired the movie for going Going for it, which this movie goes for it at every turn, but that was a that was one example of it. Um, also, his uh, chief scientist is revealed revealed to be Olivia Octavius. She is a uh, female yes. spin on Doc Ock, which was also uh, yes! nice a nice surprise. I didn't so see awesome. that one coming. I did not see that one coming when the kingpin showed up and was this abrasive block of of humanity uh i was just thrilled there's a shot where the screen is just the blackness of kingpin and his head in the middle of it and it looks so cool the whole movie looks so cool and the kingpin's whole plan is basically uh it's actually again a, a thing that i've seen in a couple of of marvel comics that are related to this it's the idea that he lost his family and he's trying to break through to a parallel universe where they're still alive so he can kidnap them i guess and take yeah. them away from an alternate version of himself and have them all to himself and it's a it's a just bizarre uh plan but you know he is a super villain and they tend to have these kinds of bizarre plans hey he built a, a super collider that's you know that's something he put a, he created a lot of jobs jason he's not just a destroyer he's also a builder and then a destroyer. A regular yeah. villain would have just built a collider. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they also the by having Kingpin try and get his family, it has that personal connection where right. oh, he's human. Like yes, he's doing all of these absolutely horrible things to get him, but he's doing it for what most people can identify as a good reason. Yeah. Yeah, he has. Which a, he was has really a interesting because, like, he he lost. Like, according to the 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 version of it that we get in the movie, he lost his family. The kingpin lost his family by going full kingpin, and so he's going even fuller kingpin, like me- super mega kingpin, in order to get them back. And what he's getting back is not going to be the family that he lost, but it's going to be good enough for him. And so to me, it was just really interesting to watch that play out. Like I lost them for being a bad guy. So I'm going to be a worse guy and that's going to bring them back to me and then I'll win. And it's not just that they died. It's that they died after discovering what an awful person he is and then fleeing and then dying. So it's, it's this kind of, uh, they, they didn't, they didn't die on good terms with him. It, actually, mm-hmm. they kind of were fleeing him and hating him, which is the extra punch to to Fisk that he wants to undo by breaking apart the universe. The ideal yeah. setup with your family, of course, is to hide everything from them, including who you really are. That's well, really the best way to villain, have a you know, good what you're gonna family do. life. So um, what we also get in this movie is lots of other spider people, and we should talk about them now. So th- this uh, mysterious stranger at the Brooklyn Visions Academy, uh, Gwen, or Gwanda? Gwanda! Uh, yeah, <laughs> fake name, fake name. That is, she is revealed in a later scene after the after the Doc Ock reveal in, those, in that beautiful kind of fall 
forest with all the orange leaves on the trees. And we'll talk oh, more great. about the movie. Oh. Look at the movie later. It is an amazing looking movie. But, but that is that <laughs> the, is the, the crouching tiger sequence yeah. of the movie. Nice to get out of the city for Spider Man. He doesn't yeah. do that a lot. Yeah, he can swing on trees instead of buildings. It's totally different. Um, <laughs> so this is Gwen Stacy from another parallel universe, and people who are comic fans know that that was a uh, that was a, uh, a girlfriend of Peter's who was killed by the Green Goblin. That was very sad. And in a very rapid, again, one of those flashbacks, we discovered that in this, in her world, and this is this is pretty much straight out of her origin in the comics from a couple of years ago. This is a relatively new character. The the Spider Man spin on Gwen Stacy is is relatively new. She got bitten by the radioactive spider. Peter Parker turned into the lizard and then uh, and died. And and Peter Parker is her motivation for being Spider Woman and uh, taking care of people on in her universe. So she's uh, she's the Gwen Stacy Spider Woman, and she's here. Um, and then she leads them to Aunt May. In this universe is Aunt May, who turns out oh. is kind of uh, like Alfred in Batman. <laughs> and there's right. a whole spider cave underneath their unassuming mm-hmm. home in Queens with quite quite a range of outfits. Yes, so. best yes. best Aunt May. I, I really I have to give her give Lily Tomlin the crown is the best cinematic Aunt May. Oh yes, yeah. hands down, amazing. One of the things that makes this Aunt May my favorite Aunt May is that. All these Spider Men just appear on her stoop, and she's like, "Come on, cool. Let me take you to the cave. Yeah, this this is. You want some coffee? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, totally like, we're good, you know, and like, not a single bit of it phases her. And I just loved how cool she was with everything. (laughs) Did she need to kick that? That was part of her charm. Did she need to kick that screen door open? That's her own screen door. She kicked open. When you're that yes. much of a badass, yes. All right. Uh, yes. <laughs> Maybe it's yeah. it's, a, it's about sending a message. You don't. You haven't. You've never been to Queens, Monty. Uh. <laughs> when they were talking about about coming up with various Spider Universe spinoffs, uh, I was really unenthused about various of the options, including oh, they're going to do an Aunt May movie, and I'm like an Aunt May movie. <laughs> but now I want an Aunt May movie. Like yes. I want this Aunt May. Movie. <laughs> yes, I want this Aunt May to get her own movie. One of the things I like about the uh, about the Brian Bendis Spider Man, uh, Ultimate Spider Man, and then you know with Peter Parker and then miles morales is uh that was always a really great aunt may and that in that comic before peter parker dies because he does die in the ultimate comics um like aunt may knows he's spider-man and aunt may gwen stacy and mary jane watson actually become kind of like his support system which is pretty cool and so i like how they picked that up and ran with it in this where she's got access to the spider cave and now there are all these spider people and you know bad guys are on the on the on the run in in new york so she's going to help them out and and then this is where we meet not just awesome aunt may and all the spider-man outfits and stuff that are in the spider cave but also we meet uh spider-man noir played by nicholas cage the black and white spider-man from the 40s uh there's uh penny parker and uh her robot spider uh and of course peter porker the spectacular spider ham a thing i would never thought that uh i I read a story about the people who created spider ham and they had that moment where they thought this is the day the day this movie opened this is the day where all of a sudden everybody in the world is going to know who peter porker the spectacular spider ham is how is that possible <laughs> we thought we thought this clock would never ring so. <laughs> and later on yeah. spider ham is the one that gets to say sometimes you can't save everybody yep yeah. uh, that's the yes. only non-comedic thing he does but it's it has so much weight because they gave it to mm-hmm. the character so that looks like he's a looney tune the energy that he as a character adds to the movie is one part Looney Tunes to the point of making a copyright infringement joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it just it, it, it inserts a little bit of the energy of uh, I, I think I think it's my absolute favorite Looney Tunes cartoon, Duck Amuck, uh, where you just have stuff that doesn't it doesn't even follow any of this animated movies um, laws of physics. You know, he's pulling cartoon hammers out of nowhere and anvils and uh-huh. stuff. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. just it is it is Roger Rabbit, Madcap craziness everything else would be totally fine but for me spider ham really puts the apple in the pig's mouth if you know what i mean (laughs) it's such a choice to uh, also in a movie that up to this point could have been live action you know basically Mm -hmm. it's the moment where they go down there and it's like okay here's a black and white spider-man here's a cartoon pig and here's an anime robot spider And, uh, yeah, we're going to continue with the movie now and take it all perfectly seriously. It's amazing. It's just an amazing moment. I love having multiple different animation styles on the screen at the same time. It reminds me of Mm -hmm. the crazier parts of Kingdom Hearts, where somebody says continuity is very important for our company. 
except now let's have fun for once <laughs> yes yeah, so spider-man noir is uh a character that was he invented for the shattered dimensions video game or was uh, no he 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 was he was just like a, a marvel's version of an elseworlds thing it was a little they mini did a, they did a, a series where it was like what if it, spider-man was a noir detective and then they i mean there, there's a whole backstory here where the, this video game shattered dimensions which came out i don't know 10 years ago told a story very similar to this and one of the writers on it actually was the spider-man writer for a long time and, and then that that led to the creation of the spider-verse concept yeah dan slot and then and so this has been this movie has kind of been percolating in different places inside marvel for a long time so they pluck spider-man noir which is nicholas cage gets to be a superhero in an animated movie it's great spider-man noir is a costume in the ps4 spider-man game yeah i spent a bunch of hours playing this year the ps4 spider-man costume is actually in the spider (laughs) cave too which i noticed yeah um and then and then uh penny parker you know her story is that she's got a uh she's she's got a a, like a spider who runs in her in her robot spider and it's her best friend uh uh, so spider ham's origin for those who don't know is he was (laughs) he was a spider bitten by a radioactive pig and granted the form and powers of a pig there is a a, i believe a shot in the credits where he's eating a hot dog which raises a lot of questions yes yes it could be a beef hot dog but still he's i think he's bitten by aunt may who is a pig who is radioactive and then he turns into a pig shaped spider and then she raises him as her nephew or something it's messed up (laughs) all those all those marvel tales are great comic books yeah Jason, there's no one type of family. No, no, no. Even even <laughs> pigs raising spiders shaped like pigs is it's. Fine. It was great to watch yeah. him be Open aware though, like when they're all on the ceiling and he goes, "Do animals talk in this universe?" Because I don't want to freak him out. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that uh, so I asked good. my daughter what her favorite part of the movie was, and that was her favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> Spider Ham is uh, it's great. So uh, so now there are many um, there are many spider heroes. Um, as Monty pointed out, they are allowed to do a lot of the superhero heavy lifting while Miles sort of uh, has his journey. Uh, Miles discovers that the scary uh, ancillary supervillain in the earlier fight uh, with the Kingpin and the Green Goblin and all of that is the Prowler, who is his uncle. So his uncle is not just a kind of bad influence, but actually a supervillain. You, you, we saw his apartment. There was no, you know, that's... He, you need supervillain money to get that apartment in nice New York apartment. City. Do you know what those rents are like? It's Brooklyn. <laughs> but Brooklyn today, Monty. That's Also, I, we don't know what rents are like in Universe B. Right. One of the, one of the things that I enjoyed the most were the were the gasps of, of realization when they revealed, mm. uh, you know, who the Prowler was. That's a pretty good reveal, too. Um, yeah. It really was. I, I, thought. I didn't know it was coming. I, I mean, I knew from the comics that he was a bad guy. I didn't know that that guy was supposed to be Prowler. So, yeah, I was surprised when he, that the, the mask came off, I so. like that none of the in jokes, uh, the meta, whatever. It didn't feel pretentious. Like, oh, we're gonna place this here, and if you get it, well, then you're yeah. part of the club. And the camera doesn't not, hang on care. somebody saying, "I gotta get to Tatooine." To open my right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. Plot wise, yeah. we we do reach a climax where. Uh, Peter basically doesn't want Miles involved. Peter B. Parker is going to sacrifice himself uh, and and get everybody, you know, deactivate the the thing that's going to break apart the universes and get everybody home and all of that. Um, but Miles, uh, after I guess his dad, you know, because so so uh, the uncle uncle dies. And and there's a moment where I think <laughs> they're going to go down. They're going to go down that route where it's going to be like, and now I hate Spider Man because he killed my brother. But they don't really go down that path because this movie doesn't want to do that, which is uh, just fine with me. Um, anyway, and Miles' dad comes to the door and says some nice things uh, to to Miles and kind of inspires Miles and and uh, <laughs> and Miles uh, then says like, I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to go, you know, be with all the superheroes. And he takes a, uh, a costume from the Spider cave and uh and then goes and then there's the big the big uh final uh fight scene which is um fascinating in terms of how it looks i i mean so amazing and and eye-popping to watch an animation and i feel like if i had had to watch this in some live action thing i would have been really bored um but it's just it's 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 really trippy and awesome they just posted the script to this movie which is an amazing move uh the moment when he becomes spider-man he takes his leap of faith the script specifically says cr- the camera is upside down so he's rising instead of falling hmm. uh, 
it's a great line, even if it's just in the stage directions. Yeah. And, and it's all kind of pop art, bright colors. And, and you know, it's trying to get the impression that the, what does it look like when dimensions are intersecting? And the answer is, I don't know. It's like buildings yeah. and they're stretching and they're colors and like just go with us here. A lot of it's buses, weird. A lot of buses and trains. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and yeah. Comic books can get crazy with this sort of thing. Now a comic book movie has gotten really crazy with this sort of thing. So can we talk about the style choices now? Yeah, is let's that, do it. Yeah. Let's talk about how this movie looks because it is uh, a big part of what makes it so amazing. Growing up, I wanted to be an animator. Um, and at the time that I was going into college, it was the big transition over to the 3D animation where you know 2D animation was going away and it wasn't important. Nobody was doing it anymore, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so I changed directions, but that's not the, so the heart of my like passion is for 2d animation and seeing how they utilized 3d animation with the 2d sensibilities and the movement and all of that on top of like the comic book feel was just uh, no words for how incredibly amazing they did on this movie. It's so good. And I can't believe yeah. like, I, I can't believe that it exists yeah. and it exists as successfully as it is. It's I mean, so... the, the speech, speech bubbles for the internal monologues, the yes. offset dot color printing dots. Like there's just oh, so yeah. much of this, like how the did they even like, who let them the get lines, away with this? You know? uh, the dimensional like, glitching that starts yeah. in the opening, yes. like studio yeah. logos. Yes. That moment. Like it oh. just, it just feels so cool and experimental that it's like, how did this get into a movie that we're allowed to see in theaters? <laughs> yes. Isn't, isn't there something about the big studio business that's supposed to crush these kinds of hopes and dreams? <laughs> so in the nineties, Toy Story came out first, a uh, feature length, uh, computer animated film, um, basically set the bar. And, and at this point, all movies, I would argue all of these animated films or almost all of them owe the, the majority of their debt of gratitude to, uh, to that movie. Like Pixar's has set the standard. There are a lot of other movies that are in the same ballpark. And I'm not trying to say they all look the same because that's not true, but I'm saying they're all, I all feel like they're, they're like of a kind. And I see a movie like this. And I think this is not like that. This is using, it's not like they aren't using 3D animation in this movie, but some of the choices they make to do the drawn on, uh, you know, highlights on the, on the bodies and faces and the little like exclamation lines that come out when people are surprised and things like that, that are a nod to the comics, but they're also just sort of, um, saying yeah this is animation we can do all sorts of we can mix all this stuff together it's such a bold choice i gotta i gotta be honest usually i roll my eyes when somebody says we're gonna do something that's an homage to the comic book medium from which it came like uh yeah, that hulk please, movie please leave ong lee get out <laughs> like, yeah. get out okay, I'm like, it oh, yeah, it's, great. it's like boxes it's great and, and so i watched this movie and i thought Okay. All right. Yeah. Like the, the color shift thing is an example. And it confused people in my theater, but the color shift thing is great where they, they wanted to do the depth of field thing. And they had the idea that, that, um, to, to pay homage to, uh, color printing from comic books and the misalignment of the color plates could make every all the colors kind of smear that when things were out of focus deep in the frame they would actually the the reds and and blues and greens would pull apart um and it and it's a it's a stylistic choice and it looks really cool and you can tell that you're watching this movie because it's it's like the look of this movie and of course there was somebody behind me who was like honey they're they're showing us the 3d version instead of the 2d version don't complain to the manager and i actually turned and i was like no it's fine this is right and they're like no we're gonna go and then she comes back and he he says this is how it's supposed to look it's like yeah yeah people this is how it's yeah. supposed to look is and this, it is, is this one of those movies that's gonna get one of the 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 you know hand printed runoff uh signs that say you know this movie looks real weird it's yes. not broken yeah so like like that one scene in star wars where there's not there isn't supposed to be any audio people there's no yeah. sound right exactly they should just write print a generic disclaimer that says movies are art yeah. be aware 
aware of context clues. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if anyone is foolishly still listening to this with, without having uh, gone off and seen it at this point, but this is a movie that is worth seeing in theaters for the the how amazing it looks and how amazing yeah. it sounds. And yeah. you, you want to see this big and loud. Uh, you don't need to see it in 3D, and I'm generally a, th- a, a 3D... I'm sorry I don't need it, but I kind of want to watch it in 3D now. Yeah, I'm kind of curious what, what else they do. It feels, honestly, watching it in 2D, it feels 3D. It is, yeah. it is the, the way that it is, uh, all, put, all comes together is amazing. I, want, I mentioned this, the, the, um, the animation style, among the things they did, and this is stuff that was pioneered in the Lego movie, which was the Lord and Miller, you know, th- that was a movie that looked really different too. This idea that uh, you you animate on, on twos, which is uh, you uh, each, every second frame, is a new frame of animation. So you're not animating uh, all 24 frames a second. You're animating 12 of them for two frames each. And uh, in the Lego movie, they they experimented with this. And it really is the case here where they're animating parts of it on the twos and they're animating other parts on ones, which is all 24 frames are different. And uh, so it, it creates this, like your brain, you don't even know you're doing it, but your brain is like, all right, this is the frame rate I'm seeing here. And then it's hacking your brain because there, there are some amazing scenes where um, the characters in the foreground are at a lower frame rate than the backgrounds are moving. Yeah. And it's just like, what am I seeing? And I had I had that moment of like, oh, it's like Roger Rabbit. I'm watching animation in front of live action. And it's like, no, there's no live action yeah. in this movie. And yes. it's it just, it, it is at every turn. I feel like this is one of those special movies. And I, I have seen this in other films. Pixar does this a lot where you feel like every corner of the movie, somebody has spent months saying, how do we make this something that somebody yes. hasn't ever seen before and this movie i you know leaves no stone unturned in terms of trying to make everything something you just have never experienced before and that's it's such a special thing to experience it and to watch it on a big screen and then after a whole movie that's honestly visually experimental the credit sequence is essentially a bizarre abstract music video that i couldn't look away yes. from mm-hmm. like that this was the stuff even they figured, well, maybe this is too artsy for our movie, but we're still putting it in. <laughs> Studio executives yeah. don't watch what the, the end credits look like and tell you if that's too weird, right? They're they're done by then. They're off. Yeah, to, you know, yeah. They've seen the first done. half or whatever, and they're yeah. Done. They're off to their next meeting. Yeah. When I watched this, what it what it felt like at the end because my friend uh, my friend that I went with asked me for a review at the end, and I said it felt like watching a comic book which was like the closest I could come to describing what it was like to to watch this. I mean, it felt like a bunch of them at the same time, you know, based on the different styles, but that was really what it felt like. And it was so different from anything that, that I've seen before in an animated movie, in a comic book movie, um, all of like all of the, the styles in it and, you know, watching the, the layers pull apart in the background and the dots and the, the, um, speech balloons and thought bubbles and stuff that pop up around people and just sort of watching them sort of be very upfront about this is a comic book movie and not meaning we took some characters that were in comic books and we turned it into a film. We took, we made a comic book movie and that was, uh, and it's really, really, really great to watch. Yeah. And it's both those things, right? It's a comic book and a movie. It is not like, let's do a movie version of a comic book. It's like all the things that it's doing that are cinematic, but still have this, you know, they're, they're paying homage to the source material, but not in a Hulk way. And again, Ang Lee didn't come back in. Did he, Tony? No, we sent him out. He also, he had access to a different level of technology. We should be, and and Ang Lee has made several amazing films. He has. He has also also made the Hulk. That's just not one. All all credit to Ang Lee. You know, I, I, I kind of feel, I kind of feel for the, the people who made other, uh, really great animated movies this year because, Uh It's kind of this is the conversation when it comes to the big awards and the best one of the year and that kind of thing. Um, But I I feel like on a certain level, as big of animation nerds as animators themselves are, uh, their their opinions kind of can't be much different than, well, I mean, I can't really be mad. I mean, look at it. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I I saw we we know we know at least one one uh, Pixar veteran who like I mean, the response is. 
wow, you guys did a great job. Like, I mean, what can you say? It is. Yeah. Uh, it it yeah. may be if you're one of the producers of the of the Incredibles too. You're like, ooh, not going to get that Oscar this year, right? But, <laughs> but it's in, like, in oh, a year yeah. where you've got Incredibles two, Isle of Dogs, um, The Grinch, I guess, um, <laughs> Ralph breaks the internet. Yeah. Uh, and and there, there's a new Mamoru Hosoda movie. Who Hosoda is is like the heir apparent to the crown of of Miyazaki as like the top japanese animation director uh you know i saw his new movie and it's amazing it's wonderful it's brilliant it's a great film nobody's going to be talking about it for yeah, awards exactly yeah exactly hey the movie ends with them them uh saving the day and uh miles saving the day and everybody gets back to their home dimension and uh the the kingpin is is uh arrested and taken away um and yes spider ham eats a hot dog you know it mm. happens lots of questions no good answers <laughs> You know, you got you got to leave something open for the sequel. To yeah, right. So. Right. Um, the uh, the so the other thing I, that I like about the multiple Spider-Man uh, concept is that is the representation. I mean, we haven't even talked about it, but uh, and this was a big. It was, I feel like well, it was and, a big and the, controversy. Mo- and the movie doesn't really talk about it. No. The movie just lets it be. It there. just well, does it. The yeah. movie it is is happy to spend lots of time in african-american culture in new york city and is very comfortable with it and uh it's delightful and his uh, i should also say miles's mom is puerto rican yeah um we also have uh gwen of course who is a woman spider-man uh we have uh, penny parker who is r- with her a, robot a woman spider-man is, otherwise is, known as spider woman is a yes well <laughs> yes well i mean there's still there's a you know i mean spider-man is more of a genre of hero but yes uh yes because she's spider first name here uh anyway uh i i think that's all uh really great too that the movie uh it has a lot of great representation of different uh, of people uh of men of women of people of uh, different races and it's just there and it's just like it's just there it's not a thing it's just even it's and even finally finally slubby spider-man for uh oh. for the slubs <laughs> for the, so <laughs> what i really love is the offshoot of the spider sonas that has been happening in like the artistic community and people are self-identifying what they would be as a spider-man um if you go on tumblr and just search spider sona and especially now that like nsfw is not a thing you're safe um but like People are describing themselves as a Spider-Man, and so they're choosing particular costume and colors, and it's just really, it's really inspiring, and it's really awesome. Everybody can be a spider person, and, yes. and or pig, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, apparently there's Spider Rat, who uh, of is course, the yeah, of course there is. <laughs> rat that gets the pizza. It's it's unclear. Oh. It's unclear what the edges of the multiverse are. Yeah. <laughs> the know? thing that that um that grabbed me at first about Miles when he broke into the comics was that he was biracial. It wasn't just that he was black. It was that he was he was multiracial. And as as rare as non-white superheroes were, multiracial superheroes were were a rarity as well. Um, you know, uh, it, it was it was something that stood out to me about Barack Obama was yes, he's black, but it's also that he's biracial. Um, you know, there, there is something about not just diversity that, that, uh, rubs certain people who are wrong, the wrong, the wrong way, uh, when <laughs> which it comes is their to the comic way. Books, so, which is their way. Um, <laughs> But but there's something especially about multiraciality that that absolutely infuriates them and makes them throw temper tantrums like little children, uh, like multiracial people like myself should not exist. Well, uh, tough. Um, <laughs> there are tons and tons of us out there, and it turns out we spend money too. I like that this movie takes time to have uh, to have us spend a little bit. I mean, Jefferson uh, Miles's dad gets more uh, time than Rio, his mom, but we get a little time with his mom. We get her speaking Spanish to miles like it, it unsubtitled yes. unsubtitled yeah and it, it's, it's oh yeah yeah and it's uh the, the movie doesn't shy away from from getting the whole picture mm-hmm. of of who even just miles the is. uh the scene when miles is walking to uh or jogging to school and he kind of stumbles in the crosswalk and the cop car blinks in front of him and we don't know it's his dad yet i mean like everybody in the audience when i was seeing it was like oh this is not gonna go well yeah right um yeah. yeah there there was there was something that that i directly experienced the the the, the first night that you could uh go and see it um that uh that i think it was like a wednesday night or something like that you know we went at 5 p.m and so there were maybe 12 other people in the theater and and among them was an African-American dad and his two sons. And it was just 
it was it, it was it wasn't like there was some big pronounced reaction uh, from the dad at the end of the movie. I wasn't like watching them or anything like that. But it was just out of the corner of my eyes. We were getting up and leaving just uh, seeing seeing that family unit uh, getting up and having gotten to see this movie uh, is something that, you know, 30 years ago when I was, you know, those kids age. um you know, I, I didn't have that and loads of other kids who have not seen themselves represented on the screen just didn't have that. Um, you know, it, it takes me back to that, that short video that those guys posted of the, the Black Panther standee where they're like, this is, this is what this feels like. This, this, like, this is what the rest of you get to feel like all the time. This is what this feels like. Um, and it just, the, that, that's, that's the thing for me is, is there isn't some big grandstanding moment or uh, of, you know, finally representation and glowing light descends from the heavens or something like that. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's the casual everydayness of, of yes. finally, this you know, is a, I mean, and it helps that this is a PG movie, you know, it's totally. more kid, kid family friendly than, than Black Panther, which also dealt with a lot more complicated themes than we get in this. Um, but it's yeah. great that we get both of them in the same year. That's actually a really good segue to talk about the soundtrack to this movie, which is oh. all music that Miles Morales would be listening to. Yeah, it's amazing. It wasn't all just current either. Because, like, we get B- Notorious B.I.G., and I know it's a classic, but, like, that song is older than Miles Morales, if yeah. I'm ballparking my timelines correctly. And it was just really nice to hear, like, Run DMC and you know big mm-hmm. and like th- i think we hear saint Elmo's fire at one point oh yes like, we do like, you know oh, yes, uh, we do. in the underground <laughs> uh, graffiti scene which is practically right out of wild style yes <laughs> um, the music starts with the incredible bongo bands apache which is sampled in a million things oh, from yes. wild styles era and i was so happy to hear it and then there's actual scratching and that's where they have the run dmc and i was like all right. They uh Yes. I it like was it. I I loved all the music. <laughs> yeah. In Miles's room, he has a poster of Chance the Rapper who in uh his universe has a hat with a 4 on it instead of a 3. So. <laughs> <laughs> just again, their universe it's one better. It's, it's very just one, it's very close. It's just one better. Yeah. But that was another thing of, that I really dug in this in particular was the variety of what we got like there was older stuff there was newer stuff there was pop there was hip-hop and it was and and all of it made sense like in the place that it was and so that you know and like hearing miles sort of halfway sing along to something in his headphones that was pretty great too. you know this is again i i said this at the beginning when i saw that they were making this movie i had that thought which is like you know oh boy because sony holding on to the spider-man license you know and being and you know they're like oh no we're gonna make our own movies we're gonna make venom and we're gonna make a bunch mm-hmm. of other movies and that they've the, uh, sinister six and oh well maybe we won't and oh amazing spider-man 2 is a flop so we're gonna make Ho- homecoming with marvel uh and let them use spider-man in avengers movies because we don't know what we're doing here and then they announce an animated movie that's spider-verse with miles morales and i'm like really sony like first off this is where you put miles morales and second off you're doing an, uh, you know, a, 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 an animated feature. It, I just could not get my head around the idea yeah. that this would be anything but a really bad cash grab by Sony. But I didn't realize Miller and Lord were involved. I didn't quite realize everything that was going on behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, I, I'm so happy this movie exists because it's so I was great. pulled in multiple directions along those lines where I knew that Lord and Miller were involved. And so I went, well, to be fair, the two of them kind of having the run of the board with the characters in the universe without the restrictions of the live action world um, and all of the MCU stuff and Marvel Studios stuff, they can just do whatever they want. I think that's great. But at the same time, I had the stigma of and this I, I don't want this to be considered throwing shade on the DC animated films because yeah, I, watch, I was going to mention I watch them. all of them. I watch all of them and, and I like a bunch of them. Some of them are also real, real bad. <laughs> yeah, some of them, some of them like Dark Knight Returns parts one and two. Um, it, it sure was an attempt at it. It like, mm-hmm. like a TV film budget for an animated feature. Um, but I had that stigma of, well, that's what superheroes and animation is. Yes. But then I went back to, well, but my, I mean, as much as I enjoy Superman, the movie and Christopher Reeve, when it really comes down to it, my favorite Superman is the Max Fleischer studios, um, Superman. Uh, and, thinking about how that really is what got me big into um, superheroes at the time was, was something that, that gave me a, a thought of, well, 
maybe maybe this is going to be the way that Miles Morales breaks into the mainstream in a PG animated mass release film. I just hope it's good. I just hope they take the risks. I just hope they're allowed to do what they want. And even though, for example, uh, you know, they they didn't uh, they didn't end up finishing their Star Wars movie. um, They were relatively given given the kind of carte blanche, you know, do whatever. And this is what we're hiring for uh, hiring you for is to do whatever is you guys put together the team and you guys effectively show run the story that is going to make the most sense that, that lays the groundwork for not just a film, but a reason to do multiple films without it just being okay well if it's successful how do we crank some more money out of this money printing press i i was very skeptical i guess because you know another comic company that we don't need to mention uh that is not marvel rhymes with pc curse you image uh, <laughs> yeah exactly i'm speaking of course of dark horse um no uh has put out a lot of things including things that have gotten limited theater runs that have just been uh not not good and some of them i have not even seen even though they involve a character that whose name is Batman, um, because they are just so not good. And I guess I was just concerned that that is unfortunate. They have ruined <laughs> animated superhero movies as an idea in my head. So when I saw this, I was just like, ah, more cash grab, more like we want to say we've done a Miles Morales movie without actually doing a Miles Morales movie mm-hmm. and putting him in the MCU. Exactly. Like that, uh, that was my secondary fear is like, if you want to do a Miles Morales movie, like put him in the MCU, make it, make it real. And maybe. I don't know. Maybe some jerk in a suit was not allowed to. That was how they got this movie made was like, we're doing it. It's kind of like a halfway thing. They then also made a really great movie. So good for them. I found myself arguing against people that I usually agree with when it comes to diversity and representation in films where they were saying, oh, they're doing a new MCU Spider-Man and it's not Miles Morales. We're going to torch the gates and and march with pitchforks. And I, the, I, I felt that it was wrongheaded because part of what works so well for me about Miles Morales is his inferiority complex living in the shadow of the one true Spider-Man. Yeah. He is the Spider-Man that came after. Yeah. And, and I, I, for, for, for my money, it is some of the best uh, character backstory that, that Bendis has put into any of the characters that he's co-created, which is okay. This is the mantle. And, and how do you carry it? Many attempts have been made to have a, a, a franchise character uh, mantle picked up by a different person. And, and the reason this works so note perfectly in this movie is that it is that um, as much of a presence as Peter Parker has, it is it is very possible to center Miles Morales's story without in any way devaluing any of the Peter Parker stuff that came before without in any way um, making him effectively just a new guy in a suit. He is a different person with enough in common with the core Spider-Man mythos that him wearing the suit totally works and totally makes sense. And it extends to the spider Sona stuff that we were talking about a minute ago. Um, for, for me, uh, every single one of those huge anxieties that I had about, are they going to pull it off? Are they going to really do it right? Miles Morales could not have gotten a better uh, big screen introduction than this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, also, I like, Again, I think the core of what Spider-Man as a story is, is about a young person having to struggle to learn what they're doing and how they can use their powers for good and all of those things. And so with Miles, we get to see an iteration on that story that we know and have been told millions of times about Peter Parker. But a lot of the details are different, but still fundamentally it is a... A Spider-Man story where he's, and I think that's the best kind of Spider-Man story is when it's a, a a young kid in school also trying to be a superhero, and that's why they did what they did with Spider-Man: Homecoming. It's like, yeah, we need to do that. We need to make literally that that choice where he's a teenager that Tony Stark is going to mentor because that's kind of the ideal Spider-Man, and so Miles gets to gets to do that. Um, and and Gwen Stacy actually has her version of that story too, and we only get to see her in this movie for a little bit. But you know, every spider person has that a version of that story. I think I'm just impressed that they were able to get me to be excited and care. There's been so many Spider-Man movies <laughs> right? in the last 15 years. <laughs> you know, Jason, I'm crunching the numbers here, and we are due for a heck of a Fantastic Four animated movie in about six years. It's mm. gonna be it's gonna be amazing. You're gonna be telling your kids about it. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think by my count, my daughter is about to go off to uh, to college. She's a senior in high school. Um, and in her lifetime, 
There she have, has never lived in a world without Spider-Man films. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, in her lifetime, because we the first movie we went to after uh, she was born was the first Raimi Spider-Man. So she's lived in a world where what is it? Three, four, five, six, seven, seven Spider-Man movies have been released. Eight. What, what eight a time Spider-Man to be alive! Are you movies. are you counting Venom? Eight, 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 are you uh, counting Civil War and uh, Infinity War? Eight, oh my God! Eight, well, let's just say yeah, almost as uh, almost as many uh, movies as years that she's lived. Basically, there's mm-hmm. Spider-Man's <laughs> turn around and you'll bump into a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, like rings yeah. on a tree. So <laughs> then they make. Well, I mean, I think with Homecoming, which is a movie I like a lot, like the last two, this one and that one, very clearly the people who make these movies are like, uh, yeah, we um, overdid it. <laughs> like, like let's, we need another <laughs> approach here. And they took two good different approaches because Spider-Man Homecoming, it's like suffice it to say he's spider-man right like let's just not we're not not gonna talk about it and uh and then this movie does its spin on it too it's it's good because i love spider-man but yeah uh kind of exhausted with how they had been and doing it that was sort of my issue with this when this was coming out was you know a lot of stuff other people have already mentioned but also like you finally got it right with the live action like i felt like it took so many but tom holland is great if at first you don't succeed you know (laughs) my objection is is i mean spider-man 3 is a garbage movie but uh, my my objection was that when they decided to reboot it they retold the origin story again and it's like we just saw the origin story don't do it again they're like no we're doing it again people don't remember things that happened to them more than four years Mm -hmm. ago spider-man spider-man how does he get his powers is it a is it a cricket it's a snake yeah i mean it's not were those those movies were only available in theaters we didn't have any way to watch those at home whenever you wanted it is simultaneously as we said earlier both the most kind of meta and deeply referential uh not not reverential referential uh (laughs) are we talking about the incredible referential and reverential you could imagine and yet also i think completely welcoming to people who know nothing other than generally that spider-man is a superhero so this is a great movie it it really is i hope that uh if you haven't seen it yet uh for pete's sake why did you listen to this podcast but also go see it while it's still in the theater literally for pete's sake yeah for peter part for peter b (laughs) peter b's sake yes i'm glad we got a chance to talk about uh into the spider-verse it's a great movie and that wraps up this episode of The Incomparable, I think. So let me thank my guests for joining me. Kathy Campbell, thank you. Thank you so much. Kelly Gamont, thank you. Thanks for having me. Moises B. Chuyan, thank you. <laughs> Can't wait for Spider Monkey in the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Monty Ashley, thank you. I'm going to go replay that PS4 game now, I think. Sweet. Uh, and Tony Sindelar, thank you. Hey. <laughs> nerds hey hey nerds also there's that alternate spider-man where he's bitten by a radioactive bat what's his name i don't know uh is that trademark infringement mm. <laughs> anyway uh thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode and we'll see you next time with uh clip show probably so get ready for that <laughs>